0: Hey guys and welcome to personality bingo with me your host Tom Moran So, this week on the podcast, we have Mark O'Halloran. It's episode number 20, and I could not think of a better guest to bring you guys. Mark is an actor and a writer from Ireland, who you'll probably best know from Adam and Paul, the film which he starred in and wrote. He starred in it alongside the late, great Tom Murphy, and it was directed by Lenny Abramson, who has since gone on to do such brilliant, brilliant things. You'll also know Mark from Garage, which he wrote the screenplay for. The screenplay for? He wrote the screenplay for. And you'll also know him from Halal Daddy, which is on the way out to cinemas very soon. You'll see it over the summer. Uh, He's in that and he was also part of the creative process of it. Mark is just a smashing uh, writer and an actor. Also his film Viva. I'm not trying to butter the guy's bread, but he is really one of Ireland's um, best writers, best actors, Uh, I implore you to, imdb him and go through uh, his material because i don't think you'll be disappointed uh, he really is a smashing person as well because the way uh, he was in terms of just agreeing to do the podcast i don't know mark from adam or paul but he was so kind in um yeah just just um being a nice guy about coming on and making it really easy because uh, it was kind of uh i really look up to him as an actor and a writer uh, he is someone who is at the top of his game and um yeah he's just an incredible guy and uh Mark, if you're listening Thank you so much for taking the time to do it I massively appreciate it Guys, other than that Check out Fix Me, my web series The last episode has been released So check it out If you want to do a Netflix-style binge You can do that now Find it on YouTube Fix Me web series It's starring myself and Geraldine McElindon uh, It was made by my little brother Ben uh, And myself uh, We made it with one camera and two iPhones uh, And I think you guys will really enjoy it So please check that out uh, Fix Me If you are here to listen to Mark O'Halloran Which you all are But if you were here for the first time Check out our back catalogue of episodes We've got some smashing people on We've had some smashing chats And I would love if you subscribe to stick around Because uh, this podcast is on the up and up Dare I say Yes I dare It is on the up and up We have some unbelievable guests lined up And I'm really excited to bring them to you uh, And yeah I think we've got some great stuff there And I think we've got some great stuff lined up for the future Whew, pressure now huh? anyway guys uh, so thank you so much for all that you've done if you enjoy this episode please share it with a friend we have no budget for marketing or any of that nonsense you are our marketing you are the best and uh, I really appreciate all you've done up until this point please continue to do it I honestly appreciate you guys more than words guys enjoy Marco Halloran playing personality bingo with Tom Moran Marco Hader, and let's play personality bingo. Yeehaw! All right, let's do it. Okay, so I'll give you a quick explainer of how it works. So I'm going to put sixty minutes on the clock. Yeah. Uh, then I have a ball here with sixty numbers in it, uh, a, a cage of balls, I should say, and then I have sixty questions in front of me. So they correspond.
1: Yeah. Uh, now I've given you five numbers here. Yeah. Would you mind reading out the five that I've given you? The number twenty, the number forty-four, the number eleven, the number thirty-nine, and the number fifty-one. How do you feel about them numbers so far? I think they're alright. All all right? Right? They're not going to win me the lottery, I just know that. Okay, <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Yeah, uh, there <laughs> should be a single number in there.
0: Yeah, well, you, I'm going to give you the opportunity to pick a sixth, so
1: this practice what you preach. My sixth number is the number six. Oh wow, how cryptic. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. A- any reason? Are you a devil worshipper? It's my lucky number. Is it? I remember when I was young, when I was like, I don't know, four sp- five years of age I, I remember kind of looking around at my brothers and sisters and they all had a favourite colour and all that and I had a favourite nothing and I remember going I'm going to have a favourite number and yeah. my favourite number is going to be uh, six but I've kind of I kind of I think about it in my head as being my lucky number now yeah
0: are you, are you into that kind of like um, no not superstitious
1: I don't walk onto ladders for practical reasons <laughs> uh, and uh, I do salute magpies but there's something you know you know you know if you salute them i don't know that's what they do down the country that that, yeah. they, that you know it's showing them respect or some kind mm, mm. i don't know why i do that i think it was because my older brother used to do that and it used to make me laugh and so i, I kind of do it now myself out of out of uh, out of uh, how would you say out of habit
0: and you genuinely you'll do it on the street you'll make the gesture yeah
1: yeah i will make the gesture no problem i look i work as an actor so i walk down the street talking to myself anyway because i'd be learning lines or thinking about lines and blah blah, blah. so yeah. any kind of idea that i would be policing my own behavior in the street has <laughs> gone out the window a long time ago right right, right. I'd be having full-blown conversations with myself, or when you're learning lines for the theatre, like you are running lines, and I shamelessly do it on the bus and everything. So um, yeah. so the saluting of birds really is is the least of me worries. Yeah, okay, yeah, <laughs> are you a big talker to yourself, do you? Do yes, you wor- I do. I talk to myself a lot. Do you work stuff out that way? Yes, I do. And as a writer, I sometimes would be working out lines. Especially, I find walking um, a very good uh, creative habit to do because your your conscious brain is too busy working your legs, and so you you're. you're subconscious mind or your creative mind is is given a bit of room and voices will start moving or character voices will start moving and talking mm-hmm. and so i would find that during those walks i would be uh, I'd, I'd be trying out moods or, or lines and blah blah so i do i would be talking to myself in that in that scenario i also sometimes when i'm writing i i try out storylines on people mm. So in discussions with people, I just throw this in as if it was mine, or I would try out lines with people. So sometimes two years later, they go, "Oh well, how's that thing?" And I'd go, "Oh God, no, that wasn't me. That was I was just that was just for a story." And they'd be like, "You what?" Yeah. But if it works, if if you can convince somebody of it, then it's a convincing storyline, you know.
0: Yes, interesting. Okay, that makes I'm me
1: sound a little bit psychopathic, but uh, no, I've done stuff like that before. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know exactly
0: what you're talking about. Um, so uh, I I write as well, mm-hmm. and uh, one thing that I I really also like podcasts. I know I know we're obviously doing a podcast here, but I love listening to other people's podcasts. Yeah. Um and sometimes I wonder if I don't have enough like I do like if I like from the moment I wake up, I'm kind of a little bit plugged in. Yeah. Uh if I'm not writing, if I'm writing I don't I don't listen to music. I don't like do anything yeah. I like to be in my room quiet. I don't, I don't like writing in public or anything like that. Yeah. Sometimes I wonder like that do I give my head enough space to be just kind of in my own head because when you're listening to podcasts, you do kind of like, it's amazing when you listen to a podcast, you feel you can kind of, there's this, you can kind of convince yourself that you know someone. Like, the podcast that I listen to, I feel like I know the hosts. I absolutely don't. Yeah, yeah. And then sometimes I wonder if I give my own head enough time to think my own thoughts. Like, do you have that, or do you kind of purposely zone off time where you're like, no, this is kind of thinking time. Well,
1: I think, um, I think when I'm writing or when I'm in the middle of a writing project I have to really remove myself from the world. Uh, mm. that music actually becomes very important to me in those kind of scenarios as does reading in a certain like I would decide that there's a certain area within the script that I want to write about and so I would get lots of literature in that area and I would read all of that so you're immersing yourself in the moods and thoughts and and uh and tropes of that world or that that or, or, or that theme that you're working on and uh w- and the music I would do the same sometimes I listen to music when I'm writing mm. um but the interacting with people I find that I would have to avoid because it takes you off into the real world and really you have to lock yourself away into into some other world that allows yourself to 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 throw up creative um Responses to the puzzles that a script will offer you. Yeah,
0: you completely. Know? And how how extreme can that like? Um, I don't want to say isolation because it makes it sound kind of painful and 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 awful. But like, how how far will you go with that detachment from
1: well the writing writing is a lonely job like I find it a lonely job and uh, and that's why I sometimes balance it with acting which I find acting to be very social I think the two things come from the same creative part of your brain I don't think that you know and they're both based on the use of characters and dialogue to tell stories so they both come from the same place the the means of, of 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 the means to an end that they both use are different one is social I find the social interaction of a rehearsal room to be exhilarating and Mm. fun and blah 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 though I grow tired of that sometimes and I crave to be alone in my own space and to be uh, and to be uh, in charge of where that narrative is going so it can be a lonely process and it does become really heady at times and uh, and uh, especially after you've been sitting at your desk for a number of hours, and you've been immersing yourself in it, you're kind of useless to the world. Really, you're useless to your, to your mates, and it can be detrimental to uh, relationships a little bit.
0: Yeah, yeah. And when you catch yourself in
1: those moments where you can feel that you're not being the easiest to be around, or something. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Look, I've been, I've been going out with people sometimes, and I'd be sitting there, and they're having a moment, and I suddenly hit something that I should write down and it's and you go how long do I have to leave it before I can go get up and go and get a pencil and write in a little book what you've just thought of without them going you didn't listen to me or you're using what I just said as some way of of, and it's not a nice thing really it's Mm -hmm. not the best it's not the best way to, to go about relationships and you have to you have to learn to balance it yeah as I have, so superbly in my life. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And here we are at
0: three o'clock on a Monday. Yes. Having the chats. All right. Amazing. Well, let's get stuck in. Yeah. Okay. Let's do the first bomb. All right, see what we got. All right. Number first ball is... Number 16. There's a six in there. That's good. Yeah, there's a six. I don't think you have it, do you? I don't have it now. Right, okay. Number
1: 16. Uh, question is, what are your memories of 9-11? I remember it very well. I was in town, and I remember there was a kerfuffle, and at the corner of... Um, of georgia street and dame street there used to be a phillips television shop mm. and i remember seeing this group of americans on the pavement there everyone was looking at the television screens that were in the window which were showing the news right. and there was something like oh there's been some sort of a, a an accident in new york and i remember it um Standing, looking at the television sets and it showed one of the planes going into one of the towers. And I remember the gasp from this uh, group of American tourists who were s- who were standing on the pavement. And I was like, oh, my God. And I went home that day and uh, I watched it on the television. And I did really feel as if the world had changed. I was very frightened, I have to say. Mm-hmm. Um, subsequent to that, though, subsequent to nine eleven. Yeah. The Christmas after 9-11, there was this young man came from New York to get where he was living, to get away from 9-11 and all the repercussions. He was living in the Lower East Village. And we met and I was together with him for, for like four years afterwards. Really? So nine eleven inadvertently brought us together. But he told me these amazing stories about it, about around the street where he lived, like being caked in dust and pages from the, the, the towers that were on the ground near where he lived. And yes. and the effect that it had on, on the city, it was Quite, quite a, uh, it's quite interesting. Yeah, and horrible.
0: Yeah, my my, my friend like that w- lived in 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 New York City in Manhattan, and he had a friend uh, who was going to work, I believe. And they had these stands, I think, that opened up from the ground, and they'd open up and they become like a newspaper stand on the yeah. street. And <laughs> when the terror went in, they they didn't. Or sorry, when the plane went into the terror, they didn't understand at the time, and it was just clouds of smoke and dust and running, screaming people. And it was literally the the stall owner and your man. And they said, come here. They both jumped into the thing. They folded it over because they thought the world was ending. Mm. And they folded themselves into the ground. And like for like 24, 36 hours, something like that, like in a little, I don't know what the, like in a, just in a, like the size of a phone box, I think from from his description of it. And they they didn't know it was a terrorist act. They genuinely just thought, okay, the world is ending and we have to wait in here
1: until. That is very bizarre. The most bizarre. But I, it was just It's like getting into a phone box On on, uh, on I don't know Camden Street or something yeah. <laughs> Waiting there yeah. While, the, while, the, while the, the world ends
0: But this folded into the ground So they were like underground For like 36 hours In the aftermath And they didn't And then when they came out People were like Yeah it was a, a terrorist mm-hmm. attack And we you know it was like A man made thing But they just thought Oh the world is like exploding
1: I remember watching television When I got home that night And they were showing Just live streams of interviews Of people coming up From from down From the big massive uh, Cloud of, of dust and debris That has hung over the lower And there was this guy whose face was covered in in dust and they said what he said, don't go down there. It's black like snow down there. And I remember thinking, God, the whole world is turned upside down or even metaphor is turned upside down. Yeah. And uh and subsequently I've always tried to get hold of that section of interview and I've never seen it ever since. And I wonder, perhaps I invented <laughs> it in my head. Mm. But I did I do remember distinctly seeing it. Yeah. It is. It is one of those moments you'll mm. never, you'll yeah, never yeah, forget yeah. it
0: for sure. It's amazing. Anyway, okay, let's go on. What an interesting way to start. Just like diving right in there at nine eleven. Yeah. Anyway, I'm glad some good came out of it. And you Got I got a I got a
1: fellow out of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's all right, isn't it?
0: <laughs> so what you're trying to say is you're glad 9
1: Catastrophe can bring us together is what I'm saying. Good, that's yeah. a better. T- it's, it, it shows the strength of humanity. Ah, see, that's a good spin to put on it. That's a good spin to put Yeah, yeah, sure. okay. Uh,
0: all right, here we go. Number 14. Do you have that one? I don't, no. Right, no worries. Number 14 question is, how do you feel about the word millennial?
1: Millennial, I just have, I just, it usually invokes the same response to me as virtue signaling and all of those kind of just rubbish trigger words that people use because they're not thinking they're just being glib mm-hmm. uh, I, I have no relationship with it it's just it's nonsense yeah yeah trying to make vast generalizations about a whole generation of people is a stupid idea anyway so you shouldn't do it so you should never use that word
0: yeah it is an awful word Yes, yeah, maybe t- we should get rid of out of the game get rid of it out of the game, of the of of the game. maybe yeah maybe I'm I completely
1: of... object to that question <laughs> alright well <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, it is. It's it's a it's a very interesting word.
1: Like It's not actually. It's it's a really boring word and no, it's sir. and it's been used by people who don't think they think they can like they can score points by saying, Yeah, the virtue signaling millennials and you mm-hmm. go, What what actually are you talking about? Mm. What are you talking about? Mm. Um uh you're not making any point, you're just jabbering on and you should shut up. Yeah. Yeah. Until you've something actually an actual genuine observation to make. Yeah, that's based on reality, or that it's an interesting perspective. That it's just—it's a rubbish word. It is a rubbish word. I take back that it was interesting. Yeah, I wanted to say like it was
0: I just slayed you. There. You did, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 but, but no, you're completely right. I mean, it's like provocative when you when you see it because yeah, inevitably when you read like, but it's it's that thing of like it's a it's a headline word. It's like used in headlines because it's complete clickbait. Yeah. Because you can find yourself
1: wanting to click onto it and just go, what nonsense is this going to be? But there was a whole, it started with Generation X and all of that sort of stuff as well. I mean, it's just an advance on that, you know, like, um, and all of the vast generalisations about Generation X were rubbish as well, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's very boring. It is lazy. It's very lazy. All right, let's go on. All right.
0: Um, Number 21. I don't have that one either no, you see, harder than it looks What do I win if I win the bingo? Oh sorry I should have told you that That's like crucial Although no one's ever done it So I kind of like Neglect to mention that yeah. detail But you get to ask me uh, Any question that you So I don't win want. a thing Well I mean you win Like a secret from my life Potentially
1: <sighs> Okay go on, go on. Prices, Ask me the question Mark Jesus Alright
0: <laughs> Number 21 um, What's your opinion On Dwayne The Rock Johnson?
1: I have absolutely no opinion On him whatsoever Although I think He seems to be A nice person Yeah I've never watched any film he's ever been in. However, he's the the highest grossing actor in the world. Yeah, for years now, and yeah. uh, um, which is interesting because uh, he's not the greatest actor in the world, is he? No, I don't know. I've never seen his films, so actually, that's me making judgments, and I don't. No, no, know.
0: no. I think no. He's. He, I've seen a lot of his films. He's. I wouldn't say so, but uh, yeah, he's an incredibly driven guy. And incredible at rebranding himself. He was a wrestler. Yeah yeah. 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 Um. I didn't know that. Yeah, he was the biggest wrestler in the world. Uh, I think he described it when he described himself, I think he was described as the most electric star in sports entertainment, he was a wrestler in the WWE, he probably had interactions with Trump actually in that hole, because they were all, in, like, Trump had dealings with that, but anyway, um, and yeah he got to the top of that and then he, I guess, like, branched out, yeah, because I mean his body was probably going to give up, like I mean this, he's a huge man, but the yeah. physical demands on wrestlers I think is pretty incredible.
1: I'm sure they're all on, well, I don't know, they're on steroids. But I once visited the set of Hercules. Is it Hercules that he did? Yeah. Oh, and it was filming over in Budapest, and a friend of mine was doing FX on it. And I happened to be in Budapest, and we went and visited the set on an off day. So I visited all the sets that were there. Um, so I'm kind of connected to The Rock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's an are practically buddies. <laughs> yeah. It's,
0: uh, it's an achievement how you haven't seen one of his movies, because he's in quite a lot.
1: Yeah, I just, I really wouldn't be bothered, Mears. I I'm a snob, you know. Are you? I am, yeah. Yeah. Is is that your relationship to, like, like pop culture or, like, popular cinema? Um, Not, like, like. for instance, this year I saw La La Land. Mm. And uh, I absolutely loved it. Mm. I absolutely loved it. So for that, like, pop culture is really interesting to me. Pop music is very interesting to me. But rubbish is rubbish no matter what. Sure. And I don't want to switch my brain off. I want to switch my brain on. And, uh, and so that's kind of it. So I'm a snob, and it's, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm happy to, to accept that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I would say that I don't like a film unless it's a Hungarian film, seven hours long, with, with no beginning, middle, or end. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. And everyone dies. Like, <laughs> that's the kind of shit I'm into. But I also like, I, I, I genuinely like interesting engagements, and that can be across a whole spectrum of things but when it's just switch off your brain and play the film really really loudly I just go no I can't stand it I don't particularly like violence in cinema either so
0: ah hmm interesting mm. good cool 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 alright
1: uh, here we go number four okay do was
0: no I have 44 does that count <laughs> just give you two you can take two off for that uh, alright four Um, what would seven year old you think of you right now
1: jeepers the only thing i remember about being seven is that i did my holy communion and uh, i got a pair of desert boots and i was so dying to wear them and i thought i was the shit as they'd say because i had desert boots besides that i have no idea i think he'd think i was weird or i think he'd probably think i was from outer space or something like that yeah do you think you're weird no, uh, no, I don't think I'm weird. But back in Ennis, back in those days, sure, yeah, like I, I would qualify for being weird. Your
0: seven-hour Hungarian film,
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I don't think he'd recognize me, which is good.
0: Oh, okay. Why, why do, would you not want him to recognize you? I,
1: I think it's good that, like, I, like, uh, the expectations of somebody at that time in Ennis was that you'd stay in Ennis, or that you'd stay, you, you'd find a job and you'd yep. do your job and it would be for life, and you'd get married and your blah blah blah. So I was a little. Gay seven-year-old back then with a great devotion to the Virgin Mary, and um, I changed, you know, and I, I, I kind of made my own life, and I like that.
0: Yeah, that's great. Did, did, did you, uh, did you see them videos
1: of the Virgin Mary from Knock? I believe she paid a visit or something like that. Mm. Um, oh, it's just, oh, it's just absolute nonsense. I once went to Knock. Did you? Yes, I did. Uh, with a, a school tour um, from the Christian Brothers in, 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 uh, in Ennis, and I was surprised by the fact that it was actually like a holy supermarket like there's a lot of stalls selling stuff there's ah. a lot of selling goes on
0: sure I mean, yeah
1: um and I bought a luminous statue of the Virgin Mary I was really devoted and also a spider that had like a a, a, a little uh, tube into it and a, a little blower thing at the end that and it could you when you when you squeezed it it hopped the spider hopped ah, yeah yeah yeah. yeah. I don't know whether that was blessed, <laughs> but um, it was a very dear um, ornament to me for a while. For a while, yeah. <laughs>
0: Did you? Were you ever afraid of the Virgin Mary? I was ter- as a kid. I was terrified of the Virgin Mary. Still am, probably a little bit, to be honest.
1: Well, I was really into religion when I was younger. Like I was really into the, I suppose, the theatricality of it. I, I became a, an altar boy, uh. and uh, but I was also into the holiness of it. I wanted to be a good boy. Do you know what I mean? Mm uh yeah <laughs> and i became a very bad boy <laughs> and i wanted to you know i just loved i loved the color of her cloaks and i loved i just loved the story of the nativity and all of that i just thought it was all brilliant yeah um as a storytelling thing but uh, but seriously when i when i hit 12 or 13 i literally faith just finished with me i was like i don't believe in any of this really absolutely i was like and i've never you know, sometimes I would think it would be nicer. It'd be nice if you believed. Like, possibly life would be easier if you believed. Mm. But you can't make that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I, f- I kind of look. I was interested. I, I find that interesting that I arrived at a point and went, absolute baloney. Yeah.
0: Did you ever before that point? Did you ever consider like? I I know you couldn't do it seriously because of age, but did you ever consider like
1: priesthood or? <laughs> Well, because I was an effeminate young child, I think they were hoping that it was the priesthood that was going to take me. Although my family were never religious in that kind of way, but uh, but I suppose in an earlier generation, I would have probably be targeted for the priesthood yeah. in a way, you know. Yeah. But uh, how many
0: how many priests I wonder like are there
1: that like really maybe did wanted to be. Actors or something or or comedians I, it's or a load of that. Uh, we used to when I first came out like in the early in the early nineties or the late eighties in uh, in Dublin, you could spot the priests in the gay bar because they were wearing really crap jumpers. Really? Yeah. Wow.
0: And what what would as as a non priest like what would you have? What or like
1: would you have interacted well look at that point it wasn't the scene that you have now it wasn't these bunch of confident young people who are out to their families and all everybody like most of the people that I that I met or interacted with above a certain age had false names that they use like mm. they'd be like Barry in the gay bar and and Brian in real life or whatever you know there was a lot of subdiffusion. everybody in there thought they were outsiders so the fact that there was a priest there just meant well we're all outsiders together really yeah and so it was never it was never um it was never a thing, really, that people were like judging them. Everybody was judging themselves, too busy judging themselves, you know.
0: Sure, sure, sure.
1: Yeah. Um, We've become kind of very serious all of a sudden, haven't we? I kind of veers. I mean, <laughs> you didn't <laughs> want to talk about the rock, so <laughs> okay. I don't know about the rock. Ask me something more interesting than that.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, we'll see what the bingo machine wants to give you. I mean, uh, okay, right. Uh, oh, Jesus. Uh, so number twenty-four. No, I don't have that either. Okay, number twenty-four. Question is, I hope it's interesting. Oh, this is a two-part question. Did you ever get detention in school?
1: Um, I I uh I did yeah yeah I mean I was I wasn't very well I wasn't popular with the teachers towards the end and I and uh, I didn't really finish my school years you know I left inst- inst- and decided to study at home and all of that malarkey oh um and uh, for the last few months of my my leaving search year and uh, uh, I just hated school I absolutely hated it I felt that these Throughout my school life, every day, in every single class in secondary school, for five years, I would put up my hand and say, do we have a half-day Thursday? (laughs) 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 And it used to cause such consternation. Like It got me into so much trouble. I got suspended once or twice over it. You know, people going. You better have a serious question to ask. Do you have a serious question to ask? And I go. I do have a serious question to ask. What's your serious question? Do we have a half day Thursday? <laughs> Out. <laughs> um, no, no sense. of so diminishing returns. No, I was a complete messer, and uh, and for that reason, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't really, I didn't ingratiate myself, and uh, so I've never, I, you know, I've never, I've also, I never, ever wanted to grow up and say that. School years were the best years of my life I didn't ever want to get all uh, What would you call it uh, Sentimental yeah. about uh, Oh we've got our, our 10 year reunion Or our 15 year reunion Or our 20 year reunion I've never been invited to a reunion And I've never been to a reunion So like I kind of And I just was sick of it I was sick of them I f- You know I was I found that it w- I thought found it stultifying And I was dying to get out of there
0: Yeah right yeah and that that, so the last few months that was it you were just like i'm i was done done i was like yeah i'll go and study at home do you remember what you got detention for doing uh well do we have a half day thursday
1: oh was oh yeah wow yeah yeah. that's a pretty good line it's a it's a really good line and what Uh, what happened when you did have half day thursdays uh we'd we'd ask uh, how do we have a half day thursday and then i would use that as being like this is vindication for me (laughs) actually asking this question this is a genuine question <laughs> that the student body needs to know and teachers would just walk out of the class while i was still speaking um, <laughs> talking shite at them going like he's absolutely mental
0: that's amazing yeah. i wouldn't have thought of you as the um i've met you like right now i wouldn't have thought of you as a, like the, 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 the class
1: clown i wasn't a class clown i was a, i was a mess i was more of a messer than that i, like, guess I was i, was, dif- I didn't yeah. care if i made anybody laugh and i was like for me when i was growing up Rock and roll was, like, the big thing, like, in, you know, 1985, whenever Jesus and Mary Jane album came out, or, you know, my friends were in a band, and, like, that was a big thing. Um, the idea of moving to New York and going to CBGB's for the weekend and taking mountains of drugs, I thought was about the height of glamour. Like, I thought it was be a brilliant thing to do. Yeah. Um, but it was in Ennis, so there wasn't so much opportunity for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I did think that that's like... A rock and roll life, just where you, you can just shout and scream and, and 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 engage with ideas in a in a much more honest way than, than Catholic schooling did. Yeah. And allowed you. Yeah. And you cultivated that? Would that be fair to say for yourself? Yeah, well myself and my friend uh Brian We we were witheringly cynical and uh, and big rock and roll fans. And we went to gigs and we went to Glastonbury together when we were 17 years of age. And that was a mayhem of a weekend. And it was fabulous. And then went back home to Dull Old Ennis and was like, we're done with this place. And uh, and like I'd never intended to stay there. I never intended like I I constantly in fact, I never intended to stay in Dublin. I was always like, i would be here for about five minutes and then I'm gone. And. 25 years pass by and I'm still here which is kind of a surprise to me still but
0: Really? Yeah And do you think in 25 more years you'll still be here? I
1: don't know Yeah don't know I don't know whether I'll still be alive but uh, um, sure. it'll be uh, it'll be an interesting one I do love Dublin mm. but I, I'd like to think that I, I am capable of moving away as well but I do find that I'm creatively engaged with Dublin Yes uh, That I, I find it a very enriching environment in which to tell stories
0: mm. Yeah Cool Cool, cool, cool Alright
1: a very serious Let's podcast.
0: I mean, you're the one answering the questions. but <laughs> I, don't <laughs> I don't have a good line of jokes. <laughs> these, are hey, these are great. these are great. These are great. Here we go. Number eight. I don't have that one either. This is a swizz. Uh, yeah. <coughs> oh, no. I, this is this is actually a serious question. Okay. All right. Maybe you can find the light in it. When's the time you've been the
1: most scared? Scared? Yeah. Um... That's a difficult one. That's a difficult one. I don't know. I mean, I was scared of the 9-11 thing. You know, I was. Yeah. I remember thinking that the world is fucked. Um, I was scared when Donald Trump got uh, um, elected that night. I remember being very scary. What kind of fear was that? I just felt like that that we have we have lost our decency, and tipped over the edge. But uh, hopefully, it's having a counter action mm. within the you know the the, the, the failure of the the right wing movement in in. Europe at the moment is pretty glorious to watch. Yeah. Um, scared, scared, scared. It is a weird question because <coughs> there's a lot of different types of like fear, I suppose. There is. I was once mugged and uh, held at knife point when I was in Portugal, mm. and that was a strange. I deal with I deal with fear and and r- pressure in a very strange way. I kind of shut down, and so I go like, and I can be incredibly calm really um and it's the same with backstage like i get to a point where like on an opening night where i'm like so unbelievably stressed out and then i'm like yeah grand fine no hassle and uh, something in my brain shuts down so i think i'm not sure whether i deal with with uh, with full on emotions in a in a, in a in a very direct way so i don't think i go into panic mode or anything like that
0: yeah that's an interesting I, I, have you ever tried to track it back like wh- wh- How that happens, that that shutdown or that? No idea. It's really interesting. Yeah. Like,
1: do you find it more of a help or a hindrance? Well, sometimes I also think that that my outward, my exterior um, 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 presentation to the world is not connected to what I'm feeling inside sometimes. So I can meet people and I would be in full on panic and depression mode and they go, You're looking well. you're so calm. You're such a calm guy. And I'm like, I'm screaming on the inside. (laughs) And so I think that's I'm very interested in, in that But I don't know how that happens Like Yeah I'm still feeling inside Total panic But I don't know why People think I, I feel like jolly And relaxed on the outside
0: Yeah I, I, <clears throat> Yeah That is interesting That's like a weird superpower Yeah it is. yeah Yeah Okay All
1: yeah. right. This better be one of my numbers Yeah Oh you still haven't got one Have you not? No Oh uh,
0: well It's not looking good is it? Uh, no oh, Come on No number will come out for me there it it like is. artificially It just wasn't coming out Alright here we go Number 51 Yes oh, Yes! wow look Excellent There you go A of attraction Fair play to you Number 51 um, <clears throat> uh, Happy or sad Tell us about a moment in your life You'll never forget
1: Okay I'll tell you uh, This is one professional It's really happy Great. memory We had filmed Adam and Paul And uh, it had been this kind of weird journey Where like I accidentally got commissioned to write Adam Paul and I accidentally wrote the script and it accidentally got made and I actually was accidentally in it I wasn't supposed to be in it Mm. blah 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 and then it was all put together and we went to see me and Tom Murphy the late great and uh, and Lenny Abramson went to this uh, small screening room in the edit suite in the inner city here in Dublin and me and Tom and Lenny and one or two others sat down and watched it and I watched the film And afterwards, I turned to Tom and I said, nobody can take this away from us. And at that point, I didn't give a shit whether anybody liked it or disliked it or anybody went to see it or didn't go to see it. It would have been brilliant if they had. But I felt happy with what I had helped create. And I was. I just felt like I had made some sort of I'd made a significant piece of work. And it's really, it's so rare that you get that. It's so rare that you get that feeling of like, yeah. Like, this is something that I can stand over for the rest of my life and be absolutely and utterly happy with. Mm. And uh, so that was a real, I just remember that day really significantly. Yeah. Um, I also said to him that day, I said, I'm going to get loads of acting work out of this. (laughs) And I was unemployed for two years (laughs) afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) which is... Uh, and
0: come here Do you think that like Okay so you said Like a lot of those Accidentals fell into place To make that happen Do you think that you Could have had that same Overwhelmingly happy feeling If One of them hadn't For example If you had been cast in Connor McPherson's script Do you know what I mean Or if you
1: Or if you had written a script And Tom Vaughn Lawler Had played the part Do you know what I mean I mean, that would have had its own uh, joys and all of that. Like I made, I had Garage made and I had Viva made and uh, and I've seen plays where, you know, I haven't been in them, but it's my words up there and I still feel that. But there's something about Adam and Paul that felt like it was the first thing that I'd ever yeah. really, it was the first major piece of work. And also it felt really personal to me. And it felt, I I, I absolutely adored working with Tom. I loved working with Lenny. It all felt like a very happy, happy like hard work Like it was hard work But it felt It felt really great mm. And so I think that's It was almost unique In, in the set of circumstances That brought us yeah. Brought it together You know
0: That's amazing mm. That is a great answer Thank
1: yeah. you right. Okay
0: uh, Here we go Number three Ah Balls <laughs> Alright number three
1: Question is Tell us about a time Where you laughed Until you cried Laughed until I cried Well <clears throat> I can tell you one a time when I laughed inappropriately and got myself into trouble. Yeah, which was it was around Christmas Eve some one year and I was going down to Ennis and I was in uh, uh, Houston station and there was a woman alongside me on a on a bench. And I don't know, she was eating boiled sweets or something like that. But she started going <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I had done a, a first aid course and I knew that if you were making noise then you weren't in mortal danger. Oh. But, like, it's good. And the only thing that was going to save her was a Heimlich maneuver. But I was going, are you all right? Do you want me to do the Heimlich maneuver on you? And she was going, <laughs> <laughs> And I couldn't, I couldn't stop myself. Like, out of nerves or something, I was like, look, you're you're okay. We're just going to do it. <laughs> And I broke my shite laughing whilst trying to be good with her and attend to her. And then the woman alongside her was a nurse. And she came and went, oh! And the sweet popped out, and she was fine. And uh, and the nurse turned to me and told me I was a bollocks. What? Well, I, 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 I literally was inappropriately laughing my arse off at her, oh, but I couldn't. Okay. But it was, it was as much nerves as anything else. And she was making the most bizarre noises I'd ever heard. Yeah. I was trying to help her. Yeah. But I wasn't really. I just was still also going. <laughs> I'm not good in those situations, and I do know that I was in the wrong, but I couldn't stop it. It was a nervous reaction, I think. So that—that's—that's that's my answer to that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Nice. i, I th- in my head, you're a good Samaritan. If it's any consolation. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here we go. Uh, number. One forty- fell out there. W- one fell out. All right. We'll go with this one first. Okay. I'll pop that yeah, back. Yeah. This is number forty-four.
1: I got it. I got forty-four. Oh. Wow. Okay. And everything changed. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> number forty-four.
0: M. Um, if you weren't Irish, what nationality would you like to be?
1: Um I'm currently learning Spanish mm. so perhaps perhaps I'd like to be Spanish because I could practise my Spanish. <laughs> that makes no sense whatsoever um I like the spanish I do think they're 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 kind of good. I've travelled quite a lot, and uh the most poised and lovely people I met were the Iranians, which is kind of strange mm. um um they were just incredibly cool people yes. um, but yeah I think I'd go with Spanish yeah
0: you because in, in Viva you've a little scene and like you, Spanish is excellent in
1: Spanish yeah it's, it's, I mean but it looks so my Spanish is not excellent okay. uh, my Spanish is alright at the moment and it's getting better and I go to study in the Cervantes Institute in that scene I learnt it by rote I literally did like, I, I did know what I was saying and all of that and I had a, an awareness of the words etc and I, I I knew what they would vaguely be translated into. Yeah. But uh, I w- I'm, I'm not fluent by any stretch of the imagination, but I would like to over the next few years get there. Yeah. Um, I love learning a language and I, I'm so late, like I'm you know 47 now and I didn't start learning it until three years ago, mm. but I absolutely love learning a language. I wish I'd, I'd engaged with learning languages before this.
0: Yeah, because like You know they say that Like it is so much easier When you're like At that like school And age Like your brain Is just like a sponge Have you found it tricky To pick up a new Like a To pick up Spanish Did you just
1: call me old Yeah How (laughs) effing dare you I mean Um, (laughs) No I I found that um, I found that I just I just was in a mood to to do it. I I I'm not the greatest academic person in the whole world. I really the only way I learn is by doing something. But sitting mm. at home and academically going through books, it's not my thing. I I I don't mm. learn that way. So um, so I I I I have I found it kind of tricky. I you know I haven't done an an exam you know since I was in my secondary school. Mm. So I found all that was kind of weird, and uh, uh, but I I love it, and I love I love in investigating words and the similarities between words that crossover, over. Like there's a great crossover between the two languages, etc. Yeah. So I find all that very interesting. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah very cool. Alright. Uh, okay. Number sixty.
0: Oh. No.
1: No. Okay. Number sixty. How many points did you get in your leave insert? sir? Have no idea. No. I do. I got five honors. How many subjects did you do? Like seven. That's very good. That was good. Yeah. 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 I was a good ish pupil. Yeah. Uh, I didn't ever try really hard. Yeah. I did si- I sat an eighth subject. I sat home economics because I was studying biology. Uh. And half of home economics is biology. So I sat that subject, not having studied it, and I got an honour in it. Really? Boo mm. Wakasha. Whoa. You, after your own accord, you just said that, that that would make sense. I'd heard that it was a thing that people could do. And if you learn, if you're very good at biology, you'd be able to practically pass it. Uh, this was back in the day So that's the way They had organise it So mm. I remember talking about I don't know The life cycle of the liver fluke Or something stupid like that And then doing a, a question On the making of curtains yeah. Which I used to Just sort of made up <laughs> Yeah yeah um, yeah But I got an honour I got a C In my home economics That's great Stood me in great stead To this very day Very good Yeah Well done Yeah
0: oh, We'll talk about that after maybe <laughs> <laughs> Alright Okay uh, Number 59 No Okay Number <coughs> 59 um, When was the last time You wrote a letter?
1: There's a question now. Um I once I once last year wrote a snotty letter to my neighbour mm. who had the habit of tidying their flat at four o'clock in the morning, like Hoover music. They wore headphones then sometimes and then used to just sing so you could hear them going <coughs> Whilst what <coughs> was going on or the moving of furniture around and uh me and another neighbor were like, "She is driving me mental." So I wrote her a letter.
0: Wow. Yeah. And you've since vacated that.
1: I left that apartment block. <laughs> is there a, a? No, there's no reason. There's okay. no There's no crossovers.
0: Did you Did you know the neighbor? Like, would you have known them to see? I know them to see them. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. The whole etiquette of, of apartment living is difficult. You know. Yeah. You kind of have to. I always find there's a cutoff time in the evening where you don't turn on your washing machine, or you don't, you know, it's it's you know, it's good, it's good neighborliness. So like right. after ten o'clock, don't turn on your washing machine. Yeah. Or you know, turn down your music l- later on at night, or blah blah. blah. So so I'm a kind of a stickler for that. Yeah. I kind of like don't invade my space. I don't invade yours. Yeah. No, that seems fair. That. I, yeah. I feel you're
0: within your right. All right. Okay. All right. Number forty.
1: Uh, I don't have that number either. Okay, number forty. What
0: are your thoughts on James
1: Blunt? Um, I think the music is an abomination. Um, like that one, de <laughs> Fao. Um, it's just a song about about perving on somebody in the underground. Yeah. And um so I don't dig that. And the the video for it was just incredibly weird. Oh is he naked in He Alaska, takes off all his clothes and, and basically commits suicide. Yeah Like he throws himself Off a cliff Yeah While singing yeah beauty foul <laughs> However As a person He appears to be Incredibly nice mm. And and uh, Like He's very funny On Twitter he and is. uh And he doesn't Take himself Too seriously And all that I just don't Dig the music That's all But you know I, I do wish him All the well In the world Good <laughs> James yeah. is a big fan Of the show Is he? Yeah he is Hi James
0: Yeah <laughs> Oh whoa uh, Did you catch that? I did catch that Whoa Are you like A cat? That was amazing Congratulations B two. They have B for bingo. Anyway. Number
1: two. Uh, I don't have I don't have number two either. Okay. Um do you consider yourself an introvert or an extrovert? I consider myself an interesting mix of the two. Ooh, interesting, aren't you? Yeah. Very good. Um <laughs> 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 you absolute prick. But anyway, <laughs> I find that I have moments where I, I really you know, I'm I'm able to, to talk to people and I'm yeah. able to To do interviews like this, for instance, or I'm able to stand up in front of an audience or blah, blah, blah. But then I absolutely crave being on my own. Yeah. And I'm happier on my own sometimes. Mm -hmm. Or when I when I'm when I don't get space on my own, I feel my brain goes a little bit ragged. Right. And I need that. Now, that's probably some of that comes from I have five brothers and four sisters and we were raised in a really small house in Ennis and. and I think that the craving of space and that time to be able to think or blah, blah, blah came from there. Like, there was just so many people. Mm. And uh, and then also, it comes from, I've lived on my own for a long time and it grows out of that, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, so. So, do you think you get your energy? Like, I think that, that. You do, it's energizing. It, that's yeah. an
0: interesting way of looking at it. Yeah, so it would be f- more from being by yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. All right. We're flying through the questions, which is good. This is good, okay. This is good. We're getting some momentum here. All right, number 22. I don't
1: have that either. All right, okay.
0: I mean, look, we're gonna—it's 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 gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna <coughs> happen.
1: Right? Number twenty-two. Uh, what would the title of your autobiography be? Lenny Abramson once told me that the the, the, the title of his autobiography was "I Should Have Had the be, which I think is <laughs> excellent.
0: That's very good.
1: Um, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't think I'm ever going to write an autobiography I I do keep diaries though every single day Yeah So I have years and years and years of, of diaries Like one big page a day of everything that happens It is shaping up to be the most boring piece of literature ever In the whole history of Western literary tradition Wow And it's mildly bitchy as well Is it? Yeah just about like so would about the lady with the Hoover I was next door ask, she yeah got good going over Did she? Yeah. yeah how yeah. dare she I can't believe at three o'clock in the morning Yeah imagine my surprise when <laughs> and uh, and then it goes through the details of my really boring life what I had for breakfast what I had for dinner mm. uh, like it's it's really dull
0: and like what's the what's the minimum amount that you will write in that
1: per day it's a full you know the the larger moleskins yeah day per page and it's I write a full page for every day and
0: at the end of the day
1: at the end of the day or I usually write it the following day sure so
0: yeah give yourself some time to and I
1: have like I don't know 12 or 15 years of that yeah wow yeah that's amazing pity the poor fool who has to go through it all (laughs) when when (laughs) when I pass on because I Somebody will probably Feel a little bit guilty About Oh jeez I should read that yeah, It's
0: like when you Throw out a card from your granny
1: <laughs> Yeah, Or else yeah. Or else it'll just be dumped And yeah. that's alright too I use it sometimes I do go back over things And especially It's really interesting To observe the The trajectory Of a piece of work mm-hmm. So you know Because sometimes You get stuck in the middle Of a script And you think This I've never Like I've never been stuck Like this in the middle Of a script Like this is the worst I've reached a wall I'm I have writer's block and then you go back to last year when you're writing something else, and you have the very same thing written down, and you realize, oh, this is just a, this is just a something that happens in the middle of a script, and it's because you're you're you've gotten to a place that you need to figure out, and you need time to figure it out. So, and it kind of it makes you relax a little bit.
0: Oh, good. That's super useful. That's making yeah, me it wonder. is very useful. Yeah.
1: I also really enjoy it. Actually, I really enjoy it, and I really enjoy going back over it. And uh, the trajectory of relationships is really interesting. Mm. The first meetings with the, with a a prospective partner who becomes you know who you hook up with for a while and yeah the observations of that or what's happening within it or the surprises that happen or the heartbreak or whatever you know it's very interesting
0: yeah it's really good yeah cool cool cool
1: all right let's go on uh, number five I don't have that one either I, I it's not rigged it is rigged it's <laughs> <Go> not <on. laughs> all right number five uh, as a child what did you want to be when you grew up I thought like everybody else I wanted to be a vet Um, Yeah um, (laughs) (laughs) That was like I want to be a vet And then I thought I really liked science For a while And uh, Homework and and biology I mean, I pretend Like I sometimes think like Well actually I do Really like science But I like Pop science books That are really easy To understand And that I then try And paraphrase At a dinner party somewhere And make a complete Arse of myself Because I haven't a clue I didn't actually pick it up What I was reading Yeah So I uh, All of that <coughs> was going on. But then around the time I like, got very early on, I knew I wanted to be an actor. Like really? I, that was it. But it was a very difficult thing because, you know, when at uh, that day and age, you know, the idea of an actor coming from Ennis just seemed impossible mm. or the, from the class of people that I was from, that, that I am from it seemed impossible to stand up and say, I want to do this, actually. And it took a long time to organize that. And even, you know, with writing, I didn't write till I was 30, you know, and that was part of that. Like writers are somebody else Mm. or actors are somebody else. But I mean with with acting, it was all really slow as well. I mean, I (coughs) I went to drama school and afterwards, you know, I got my very first play was uh, was I had two lines in this touring production of Juno and the Peacock mm. directed by Joe Dowling that had people like Anita Reeves in it and uh, Brendan Gleeson was in it for a while. And, and I was understudying the young Tom Murphy. Ah. And s- there's something about that when I look back at it, I realized that if you want to make a career of all of this in your life, you've got to make it your life. So everything is an opportunity. So two lines in a play is an opportunity. If you if you go, that actor there is absolutely brilliant who is I was understudying and you learn from them, but also you go, I want to write something for them or I want to engage with this particular actor. Anita Reeves ended up being in Adam and Paul with us and as did other people from that production and, and so you, you make you make yourself you make your own community when you when you when you do that and you make your career your life. Mm. Um which I don't know whether that makes in Entirely makes sense, but for but uh, as an addendum to that, it took a long time before I started getting work of any of any sort that was good. But I kind of was determined not to stop because I had made it my life. This was these were my friends, this was my life, and uh, and so I kind of waited doggedly until it turned a corner somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: um, and and uh, like coming from the big family and stuff, did any of your just it was interesting because it probably is a little like because it, it is different now, I I think because of like the internet and social media and mm-hmm. even talent competitions
1: and yeah. like everything just feels more accessible and there's a hell of a lot more work yeah is there yeah i think so you know there's there's a lot more going on and there's also a lot more can do attitude around i think that one of the things that changed around my generation or just after it is the idea that we can create our own work or that The Irish perspective on things is interesting or our work is that we don't have to talk about nationalism all the time or how we were shot on by the English. (laughs) That that's not interesting. What is interesting is that we're alive, you know, and we're living our own kind of unique kind of way. And we have an interesting perspective on life. You know, we can tell our own stories no matter how small or big they are and that they are of interest. And you look at what's happening now with Irish story film actors, blah, blah, they're coming of age. There's a big flowering going on and uh and i think that that was part of the realization that my generation went through and i think that possibly you're a little bit younger than me mm-hmm. but um possibly you're you're experiencing that you know
0: yeah no for sure there's a blast of the
1: culture of like making your own stuff yeah
0: yeah for, for sure but just did do any did any of your friends from nsr brothers and sisters from like your family do they go in a similar route to actor writer
1: no my family is very diverse my brother's a general in the irish army and my sister's a guard and my brother's a lawyer and i have a brother who lives in boston and i have a brother who's a, you know quite a successful businessman and my sister who does uh, occupational therapy for people with special needs and i've got right. a, a sister who's a um, a, a, a teaching a special teaching assistant within schools and like so there's a really diverse element but what is always important in my family is storytelling and singing and they're really important and my dad was a great singer and, uh, and a great raconteur and storytelling especially is really prized in my family the telling of jokes being able to turn a tale that is really interesting right. and, uh, and so th- that's what I picked up on yeah Decided I'd make a living out of that. Yeah, great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Um, I'm just gonna <coughs> do a
0: check as well, see what we're doing. We're doing pretty good. We've got like
1: ten minutes left. Are you cool? Superb. Yeah, yeah,
0: awesome. Um, number 36. thirty six. Thirty six. I don't do that either. No, no worries. Okay, number thirty six. Um, <laughs> do you have any theories on the
1: disappearance of Madeleine McCann? No, I don't. I don't. I. Uh, it's such a hard story. It's so, and and people are so. There's a lot of mad people out there Mm. who are willing to to say terrible things about that family and Mm. they just don't know. There was an interesting one a while ago. There was this Internet troll woman who Sky News tracked down and uh, they accosted her outside her house and said, you know, we know who you are. That person who runs this account who constantly say terrible things about the McCann's and she stood there. Looking very trapped and very realizing she'd been caught and she disappeared for a number of days and she committed suicide afterwards. And I found that story to be like. So. So emblematic of of our culture at the moment, this idea that we have these secret identities that can pour vitriol and scorn on the world and hatred and blah, blah, blah. Mm. And then when we're caught. We know that it isn't us, really. That there's this, that the shame and everything will kill us. And I think that in a weird way, that whole McCann story, the the way that people are willing to shame them for having gone out and had a meal and gone back and checked their kids and all that, as to th- I have no idea what happened to that child. Yeah, I mean, she's presumably dead, but
0: that's I didn't know that. That's awful. There's
1: that book. Have you
0: read it? Um, so you've been publicly shamed. I think. No, I haven't. Ah, uh, it's just about that culture, like now, because you know that there's that woman. Um, she's an American woman, and something along the lines that she was going to South Africa i believe
1: yeah. on a work trip. Oh yeah yeah. And she yeah. tweeted
0: about something about uh, i hope i don't get aids lol no, just kidding i can't i'm white something like that. That's a paraphrase of it but that was And
1: she got off the plane and she was in the middle of a twitter storm.
0: Yeah, lost her job. Like kind of like i don't want to say ruined her life but like as in certainly altered
1: the course of her life. You got to be really careful. I mean, uh because people are w- a lot of people want to be offended and a lot of people uh, and and we it's an instinct within us all to jump on a bandwagon and go how dare you, and so so we got to be careful. we got to be careful take deep breaths mm. sometimes, um I love Twitter like I'm on Twitter all the time, but it has its drawbacks and sometimes it's really dark and exasperating yeah yeah, um, but it's the crack at other times yeah for sure um I really enjoyed it, in the last few days after the British election just having the crack cuz Theresa may and the conservatives who thought they were the smartest people in the room yeah. have suddenly been exposed as being absolutely stupid and as clueless as everybody else mm. and the 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 rewarding of that hubris is is just fantastic to observe mm. and uh, and uh, and twitter is the perfect medium to to have the crack yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> how,
0: how do you how do you balance like twitter with like like
1: actual writing it, it, to, if it makes sense well part of m- i've got a busy brain that mm. that's a bit fractured so it goes off on little skites and it doesn't really i can't say that i'm a deep thinker in lots of ways and so and to, to to write anything that's of any worth you have to think a little bit deeply and so i find trying to get that concentration is incredibly difficult like i find it really really hard so what i do is i kind of trick my mind or i try and trick my mind one of things I told you about before is walking so you you, you have your, your mind really busy working your body and so it it doesn't have time to get in the way of the conscious mind or if I'm sitting at a thing I will have five different web pages open and one of them will be Twitter and I'll be tweeting away mm. and then I'll go back into my script mm. and while my conscious brain is thinking about oh somebody's going to reply to that tweet now or I wonder did anyone like that tweet or was that funny or or I've seen something funny after I'm reading an article I'll have written a page. Yeah. And so, and I won't have, I won't have, my judgmental uh, blocking mind won't have gotten in the way. And afterwards I can fix it, you know. Yeah. I mean, the first draft is always the hardest thing to get down because you have to fight against this voice in your brain going, your shit all the time. Mm -hmm. And because the first draft is probably going to be not great or Mm. it's not going to be worked out fully or it's going to have lumps and bumps and it will need work. And it's really hard sometimes to put that down because it exposes... What little talent you have. Sure. It's the rewriting that, that fixes it all up, and, and it's the doggedness in which you follow your rewrites that, that, that make your script good or bad. Because mm. one of the things that um, cause I listened to, I think we, your chat on
0: Irishman Abroad, I listened to it at the time because yeah, yeah. I, li- I really liked that podcast. Yeah, it's great. It's brilliant. And uh, the, the chat that you guys have is awesome. And I was wondering, I think you mentioned on it that you had really good people. I think it might have been specifically to Adam and Paul, but really good people to poke you with ideas and. Or not ideas, but, you know, maybe notes uh, on that
1: script. Or is that right? Yes, well, Lenny was great. Like, I right. like for me, when I'm writing, I don't direct. So I need to engage with a director. So the idea that I would write a script that I think is the end of the line, this is this, it's perfect, is ridiculous because it's only the end of the first phase of the creative uh, journey that's going to make a film yeah. and the person who's going to take it the rest of the way and who helms it all the way through is the director so you've got to engage and be be have a creative relationship with them so you've got to listen to them so what I do is like I did it with Len I did it with with Paddy as well and other directors theater directors I've worked with where they come around to my gaff I go I've got a draft here and I'm going to read it to you and I read it to them and, you know, they will stop in the middle of stuff and I go, you know, what I wanted with that was to do that and they're going like, Well, that didn't come across and there's no way I can film something like that. Or I can't put that across in language, you know, it's a bit heavy handed or it's a bit it doesn't work for me. And so you engage all that and you take in what it is that they want to do with the with the the work I mean Almost all the stuff In fact all of the stuff Except uh, films coming out this year Which I Which I just went on board To do a bit of rewriting on Have been my ideas And so I've taken them And taken them along And so Engaging the director Allows you To not have a painful Feeling that The f- that the idea has been Taken away from you And destroyed I've never had that feeling Which is fantastic That's amazing Yeah
0: Yeah And do you have Like do you have A person that you will send A first draft to
1: Only at this point, only the director that I'm working with. So I'd be very careful about who I used to have people that I would send things to. And after I've had a first draft done or or I'm working on a second draft, I might send it to somebody that I really trust or somebody that I would think would be give an interesting perspective. But if somebody is your friend and they're not they're not um, engaged with the work on a. uh, you know on a professional basis then it's very hard for them to criticize mm. and uh, like i sometimes get it you know that i'm asked to read friends scripts and it's you know you can go look i think there's this and this and this but it's very hard to be very very critical because they're your mates and yeah. work is very personal and sometimes people go look i really liked it and you, perhaps you you don't believe them anyway because you're second guessing what they're saying so some look writing is one of those headwrecky things where you kind of have to go like I have to believe myself, I have to learn to believe what's down on that page, because if I don't believe it, then then the whole enterprise is doomed because I'm the only one who can sell it. Mm -hmm. Does that make any sense? No, I think it does. I think it does. Yeah. And so a part of that is sometimes taking readings from people and sometimes engaging with your director and sometimes just trusting your gut instinct. Mm. Um, And that's not easy sometimes.
0: Is that something that's gotten easier for you? No, no,
1: no, absolutely not. It gets harder. Really. And uh, and but I do know one thing is that in the writing of a script, there's an easy way which will lead you to the land of shit, and there is a difficult way which will take you through the land of shit and get you to somewhere that's possibly better. Mm. And it's really painful. I find writing incredibly painful. Like I don't like writing at all. But yeah. I sometimes I somehow have gotten myself. That this is my main source of income or my main job and But I don't I enjoy it afterwards But I don't enjoy the process of it I don't sit down and go Oh brilliant I've got four hours of writing ahead yeah. I love it And I talk to people who do talk like that And I just go They're absolutely insane
0: Right Yeah Interesting Well I'm glad you put yourself through that pain They're good films like Yeah they're good <laughs> yeah. films No I'm very proud of them <laughs> yeah. I'm delighted I do it Yeah you know? yeah yeah
1: um, Great Yeah
0: Cool I, I think we've got We've got them for one or two more. Okay, is that okay? Give it a lash. All right, let's go for it.
1: All right, here we go. Number ten. Okay. Uh, no, I don't have that. Do you, we, you have one so far. Is that it? I've two. I've forty-four and fifty-one.
0: Oh, I got fifty-one. Sorry, pardon yeah. me. And uh, no, what was that? Ten. Yeah, ten. Uh, do you believe
1: in any conspiracy theories? No, no, no. It's lazy thinking. Yeah, I think I also think that there's nobody in the world who's capable of pulling off this this really complicated stuff. Okay. Like everybody's thick, yeah. including myself. Like, uh, you know. Have you always had that feeling that everyone's thick? I would love to have. I I love reading about conspiracy theories because I think they're the crack. Yeah. But they really are, uh, and they get into dark places. Like we saw with the whole election last year. The the, the what is that crazy pizza pedophile thing that happened in America? <clears throat> There's some pizza restaurant, and and a guy went and shut up this restaurant because it was they had linked it through the Podesta emails to some crazy notion of a pedophile ring, like a mental oh stuff. God. And and now there's a default mechanism, or there's a default sort of mode in modern thinking and internet hive mind thinking, which is they immediately go to the to the conspiracy theory and I just I just find that incredibly lazy yeah 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 um, there's a whole brand of journalism that's based on it there's a, there's a particular brand of campaigning journalist on Twitter I shan't name names but uh, I call I call this person a pseudo journalist you know th- whose their default line is what are we not being told and I go it's your job to find out what we're not being told yeah. it's not your job to say what are we not being told that's not journalism yeah that's shitty gossip um, and so I, I, I kind of I, I don't dig it Yeah That's so true That's just like Heightening the state of like don't, What are we not being yeah. told Find out Yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah. That's, that's really good <laughs> Alright let's do one more roll Okay This last one Okay uh, Okay number I hope it's something nice That like rounds up nicely Probably be something weird now Oh <laughs> This is a weird one
1: How was your first kiss My first kiss I, I actually don't remember it. Really? I don't remember a first kiss. Oh. I don't remember lots of my youth. Really? Yeah, so like I, I I went to UCG for about a year and I dropped out after failing lots of exams and I have absolutely no memory of it. Oh. Now, I know I was there and I know the building and I blah, blah, but sometimes people go, do you remember Lucy Yoki Bob? And I'd go, mm, nope. No. And I would have friends from U- UCG who I then went, you know, came up here to Dublin and I would have stayed in uh, flats with them. But they would kind of share memories and I go like, I I honestly have no recollection of that. Wow. So, uh, so my first kiss, I don't, I don't particularly remember it. I remember my first gay bar that I went into. OK, what was that? I went off to live in Amsterdam, as one does. And um I My very first days there I went into a, I found in this magazine That there were gay bars In in, uh, in Amsterdam So I was like Oh my god I was I had never seen pornography At this point I was like 19 years of age I'd never I'd never Never met another gay person I don't think mm. I'd never been to Dublin either And uh, Before you went to Amsterdam? Yeah Really? Yeah Well I think I'd been there Once on a school yeah, tour but, but, but not particularly wow. And uh, And I went off And I, I I found this gay bar and I walked in and I, there was just lots of young, beautiful, handsome, gorgeous people dancing. And it was a really, it was a late, you know, late spring evening. There was a stretch in the evenings that was bright outside. It was like, I don't know, nine o'clock in the evening. And I remember looking really shocked. And this, what was an English tourist guy, turned to me and he must have noticed it. And he said, are you all right, mate? And I turned to him and I said, are all these people gay? (laughs) And <laughs> he just laughed his arse off. Oh. He was going, "Oh, it's so sweet. It's so sweet. You're Irish." Ah, oh, ah. Oh. And uh, so I remember that as being a big kind of event in my life. But I don't remember. I had a great weekend that weekend. That's all I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably involved kissing. Sure. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. good. Yeah.
0: We'll we'll mark the 19 year old Amsterdam visit.
1: Hooray! Yeah. It was a, it was a, it was a killer.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Mark thank you so much for thank you so much. doing this you were so kind I was, I was genuinely I don't, I don't, it's weird to reach out to people you were so kind and you wrote back so quickly and I don't know I, got, I get a bit anxious doing it and you were just really kind and I really
1: appreciate it I'm a really kind person I mean that's what I'm trying to say <laughs> that's what I'm trying to say <laughs>
0: um, is there anywhere that people can we talk about Twitter do you want to plug a Twitter or anything that's coming up any films anything like that I don't know. Uh,
1: I have a film coming out in June I, I can't claim that I was the most creative uh, member of the team I, I kind of got on board later and it was a rewrite but I do I, I, I act in it Oh, it's amazing. called Halal Daddy That's out in June I saw the trailer for it looks great Yeah it looks great, yeah. it's, great. it's fun it's Yeah, a, it's an brilliant. Interesting And your Twitter Because it's great My Twitter oh, uh, O'Halloran, Mark, Mark O'Halloran Mark O'Halloran On on Twitter Easy to remember uh, On cool. Twitter uh, Mark thank you so much <laughs> Thank you
0: so, guys, that was Mark O'Halloran playing personality bingo with Tom Warren. A massive thank you to Mark for taking the time to do it. As I said, Mark is someone who I genuinely have like, looked up to as a writer, as an actor. His career is kind of incredible, and just to see how humble and kind and um, just how great of a person he was was um, really great. They say, I don't want to say they say don't meet your heroes, but. Um, Let's just leave it there He was a great guy Mark if you're listening Thank you so much Uh, Guys other than that Check out Fix Me My web series It is all done It's done and dusted We have four episodes up There's about an hour of content Binge watch it Like a Netflix series Uh, I'm really pleased with it And I'm really pleased That you guys have been watching And enjoying When you let me know What you think It means the world I genuinely mean that Please do Shoot me a tweet at Timor93. Let me know what you think of the episodes. Let me know what you think of the podcast. uh, And please spread it to a friend. Uh, That's how we get the word out there. And I think when people listen to one, they generally go and have a listen to another. So if if everyone could tell one person... That would mean we double our listenership because that's how maths works. So, uh, yeah, do that. Guys, uh, a few of the normal thank yous. But just because they're normal doesn't mean they're not special. A massive thank you to Liam Moore and Anthony Manley for their brilliant theme music. A huge thank you to Connor Nolan for the brilliant artwork. A massive thank you to Alan and Paddy at the Headstuff Podcast Network. Check out all the content at headstuff.org. There's some incredible blogs, um, reviews, all that good stuff and all the other brilliant Podcasts that are there Uh, Constantly adding new podcasts To the network as well So I implore you To check that up Um, To check that up Like a doctor Yeah don't check it out Check it up Thank you Uh, Also a massive thank you To the boss woman Taz Kelleher For mixing, editing And producing the podcast As always her work is stellar We've done 20 episodes And it's been so seamless She is absolutely incredible This would not exist without her And I'm very 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 grateful For her talent And hard work And friendship Uh, Guys Other than that, a massive thank you to you guys for listening. You genuinely are the best. I love hearing from you. Please let me know what you think. Let a friend know that this is a great podcast and that they should be listening to it, except more aggressively than that. Guys, other than that, tune back in for next week. It's the 21st episode. That's like a thing. You get like a key to the house. The 21st episode, incredible. Guys, thank you so much for listening to Marco Halloran play Personality Bingo with Tom Moore.